Hi, I'm Danny Belvin. And I'm Danica Brown. And we are biracial unicorns. And are we finally ready to have a serious conversation about human hibernation? I hope so. <laughs> I, I think it's time. I mean, I don't care if we have the conversation, actually. <laughs> Girl, I've got the Snuggie, I've got the lotion, and I've got snacks. Like, yeah. she ready. I am so ready. I'm so ready. <laughs> it's so hard when people ask if they ever do ask and they really mean it. Like, how are you? How are you doing? And you're talking about how like tired you are. And a lot of us are spending more time indoors. And it sounds so first world problem to talk about how tired you are from being indoors. It is so weird. I have lots of work meetings and... The majority of them start with, like, how are you? And I'm like, let's just not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, they, yep. <laughs> Dot. You're just hitting it on the nail. You guys don't even know when we talk off, like, that Danny has a whole mood. She's a whole vibe. She just has everything just perfectly packaged in. Yep, let's just not. Let's just Let's just not like it's the kindest way of just moving on. It's the perfect, perfect segue of just like, let's not. And I hope that becomes a new greeting. How are you? Let's not. And it's like, yeah. it just goes from yeah. there. To be fair, like that's who I was pre-pandemic already. So <laughs> it's just become more so. <laughs> it's more acceptable. And I think more people are going to start blatantly stealing that. Let's just not. T-shirts for everyone. <laughs> I ruined everyone's Christmas gift. It's just 2020. Let's not. Well, it's not. It's, um, uh, I'm trying to feel festive. Mm. I'm trying to yeah. get there. <laughs> it's, everything is weird. How, how many Hallmark movies have you watched? Not enough. I'm trying to decide if I want to watch the one about this girl who is an artisanal gingerbread maker who uh, says she doesn't want to find love, but love finds her. There's also another one where she's like, obviously like a no nonsense kind of hometown tomboy who doesn't think she needs to find love, but then she also does. So I can't, I can't decide. I mean, they both tell your life story. <laughs> I see myself in a little snowy village with a quirky gay best friend, another sassy black one, which it's weird because I didn't get cast as a sassy black one, in a town that's perfectly snowed, like consistently. There's no slush. There's no muck. It's just soft, crystal white snow. And there's no mask wearing. So I can't wait to just, just well, to be there. I've expressed my feelings about... Both no mask wearing and mask wearing <laughs> in movies. No pleasing us whatsoever. <laughs> no, I feel like I am. I am the biggest Grinch ever <laughs> this year. I love it. I lo I'm and I love you for it. Don't because I feel like people don't buy Grinchiness from me, and so I feel like I'm living vicariously through you. Mm, I'm like be yeah. the Grinch that I can't. Oh, I'll do it. I'll, I'll amp it up just for you, Demika. Please do. You're all somewhere out there. There's a curly-headed, dimple-carrying, round friend of mine who cannot get away with being like bah humbug. So I have to do this. I have yeah. to do this. <laughs> but just to kind of settle all of our grinchiness. So we have this thing about ruining holidays. Uh, yep. When we do our it's a it's, tradition, it's a tradition. We love to ruin holidays. It's we're here for it. And we thought, why break tradition now, even though 2020 is doing its best? So today we're going to 
going to kind of break it up in a topic that somehow has a deep relationship with each other. And we're hoping this topic is going to be one of many. And that's talking about parenting, shepherding, guiding uh, mixed race children. Whether you are a mixed race person raising another mixed race child or you are not a mixed race person raising a mixed race child. Because this topic is so massive, we're going to try to hone this particular one to frame it within light of the holidays. And then, of course, we can't get away without talking COVID Christmas or COVID Kwanzaa, COVID Hanukkah, you know, either or. All yeah, um, we will be focusing on Christmas. And I said yeah. this last year when we mm-hmm. ruined Christmas and probably <laughs> the year before. We tend to just focus on Christmas, not because we are consciously wanting to reinforce mm-hmm. the norms of mm-hmm. this country like i don't buy that but it is like the holiday around this time of year that we both celebrate mm-hmm. so it's it's the thing that we are most comfortable and most able to uh, yes. speak to in terms of holidays but i think the beauty of this topic is it is applicable regardless of what the actual holiday is so <laughs> could be christmas it could be kwanzaa it could be hanukkah it mm-hmm. could be easter next year like it exactly. can it can apply to to any and all things and exactly hopefully exactly. you feel that way <laughs> no i know i really do and i love that you put that there because one thing is of making sure that a we acknowledge that that there are other people and i think it's important that there are other holidays and important are people who do none of that and to know that they're loved and supported but we feel for us to speak upon that would not be authentic and would be speaking from a place of a lack of, of experience and we, we try not to do that <laughs> so yeah we do our best but but this topic it's it's really inspired like we kids you know we've got royal babies from Meghan and Harry to vice president elect from the Hamilton cast to your humble podcast toast but mixed race people they, we are statistically a growing demographic it's crazy I was looking up that uh, in 2015 46% of multiracial Americans were not just across the board but they were under 18 they're young. Mm. This, this is a fresh batch. People are dating, mingling, and marrying people outside their own race. And not only am I here for it, but they're also reproducing along the way. So, yeah. Yeah. Also wonder whenever I see those statistics, like I think there is truth to it being a growing demographic, mm-hmm. but I think that there is also the context for mm. a mixed race person to exist now, I don't want to say more easily, but more openly uh, than in the past. Mm-hmm. I think like there wasn't so much support in naming yep. of a mixed race, multiracial experience, even even 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think I think that that is also something to take into account. It's like not only is it growing, but I think that there is also and this is something we've touched on a little bit in the show is I think there are people who are not necessarily children who are like having their their racial awakening <laughs> as a yeah. multiracial person like in their adulthood and recognizing it for what it is. 
Oh, that, that's so beautifully put. Well, are we even talked about, was it the 2000 census that finally allowed you yeah. to acknowledge more than one race? So even that in itself, when they talk about the massive uptick of starting the census, of being able to collect this data, I mean, just being able to actually do that is, is stride in itself. And so there's this group that's finally being represented. And I think within our journey, we have been really uh, fortunate to get people ask questions about raising their multiracial, multicultural children in their household. And I thought, yes. Yeah. And I think it's actually, we hear from people requesting advice or support in that way more than any other way. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of people who are on this journey, whether or not they are mixed race, figuring out how to support and nurture their mixed race children. And I'm I'm here for it. Like for someone who, you know, Danny and I are we are both mixed, but having parents who because your mom, is she technically mixed? Yeah, technically. Technically. It's 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 such a weird Anyone who is part of the Latinx or Chicano or like any of these these groups probably can feel it too, to varying degrees, depending on where you're from. But yeah, like I think this weird like Nuevo Mexico Hispanic tends to be more mixed than anyone likes to admit. So Mm. she's mixed, but also like growing up in an environment where there are a lot of people who share that same mix. It's it's a different experience. Mm. And and so my experience is having two parents who were not mixed at all. And so yeah. having that dynamic and hearing from parents who aren't, it's it's real encouraging just to hear that there is support or people feeling that they want to go out there and search and feeling and knowing that they need to. So I, I'm so encouraged whenever we get questions asked like that. Yeah. So today we'll kind of focus on how to dissect this topic with that lens of of the holiday season coming up mm-hmm. it's it, just yeah just buckle in just enjoy <laughs> yes so Damika, you're actually a, a parent to a mixed race child Super i weird. am not i am not a parent <laughs> My expertise and what I have to bring to the table is a little bit different. Um, in having worked with children most of my career mm-hmm. in different sort of capacities, educational capacities. So I think it'll be interesting to hear our different perspectives on it. Mm. But I think I think I'm I'm most interested to hear your perspective as as a parent. Mm. Well, it is, you know, when my my husband and I decided we were we wanted to try to have children, you know, of, of course, I have all the, the concerns of health and affordability. Is this what I want to do? But to say that I did not worry about what my child would have to face as being a, a child who would be very mixed, it, it did cross my mind. I mean, that not, it's not a concern. It was just wondering about how their life would look and what it would be like walking in their skin and how they would perceive themselves and how I could support that. I, I, I mean, like I said, even before conception, I found that to be a real complex idea because I struggle with my own identity. And I think as a parent of a mixed child, that that's it. Like that That's what we could probably spend the entire show talking about 
is the issue of identity. I mean, we have a whole podcast about identity. <laughs> so we have. <laughs> that that's it. It is it, it's ongoing. It's it's never ending. It's always unfolding this this thing of identity, isn't it? It's crazy. I'm going to be a little like blunt here. Um mm-hmm. were you concerned about how your child would look like if if she would look more like you or more like your husband um how much of a concern of how she presented to the world did you have i mean if i'm being completely honest i was real concerned and it, it was a mixture between desire and worry those were the two yeah. things is desire and worry i desired for her and you want to talk about controversial, so get ready to check our emails, Danny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I desired her to favor me, especially once I found out yeah. that she was a girl. But Since, I feel like yeah. that's normal, right? Like, I think that that's, oh my gosh, my mom always complains that she doesn't think that either me or my sister look enough like her. <laughs> <laughs> well, you put in the work. Like, I cannot have peaches now exactly. after being pregnant with my daughter. Like, you know what I mean? She she ripped my lady mm-hmm. garden. Like, I feel like she should at least resemble me. And that, that plays into our vanity. That plays into our, our, our need to pass on genes. There's something very instinctual. But also, I just so desperately wanted to have that connection you think you know automatically once you have that child everyone it just comes naturally you just bond with your baby I feared that I really feared and I I didn't say struggle to bond with my daughter but you know postpartum is a thing and not everyone feels butterflies and rainbows when they first hold their baby some of us are really overwhelmed and I thought there's something about having that connection and being able to share my experience with her and how to walk in this skin and this duplicitous life. I would have loved to like just just to know that right away. But of course, you just don't know until they're born. And so this is and I don't know if I've shared this on the show, but when my daughter was born, she she didn't cry. And it was terrifying. And everyone mm. always wonders, like, what are you first going to think when you first see your baby? And so she came out and they plopped her on my chest. And the first thing I thought was, "Ooh, she's heavy. She was a big <laughs> she's she a big baby. She's an eight pound, six ounce Whoa, baby. No way. She was an eight pound <laughs> Six ounce baby, which is funny because <gasps> no you've way. seen my daughter. She's, she's, tiny. she's not, yeah, she's tiny. <laughs> she's wow, tiny. I'm blown away. <laughs> yeah, she was like, you know, over, like, she's a big baby, which is like I said, ever, but I mean, after that, she was always like the lowest on the scale for like height and weight for three more years. But initially, she's a big girl. So I thought, ooh, she's heavy. And then two, I went, ooh, that's a light baby. I I like I promise you, mm-hmm. those are my first two initial thoughts. And at first I was filled with shame. And I I struggled to even admit that that was one of my first thoughts as a mother. And it was I had a lot of guilt. And of course, it didn't change how I how I treated her. But it did change how I needed to lead and instruct her as she started growing older. And of course, you know, babies, when they're first born, they're more alien than person anyway. You know, you, you got to jaundice and let them grow. And then the older she got, the more blonde she became, <laughs> the more fair skin she became, the more her features are more long. You know, she still has like bigger, more fuller lips, a little bit more, not necessarily a Caucasian nose, but it's, she is white presenting. And that's yeah. fact. And that is something I'm like, wow, now I feel like I have to start from scratch because now her journey is going to look so much more different than mine. 
well, first, thank you for your your honesty. I know, like, there is a lot of shame, like, surrounding those sorts of feelings, yeah. right? Because, like, we're, especially, I think, our generation has this weird, we've talked about this before, this, like, we were raised with this weird colorblind mentality mm-hmm. where, like, like we're post-racism um, mm. and, you know, we... No one, I mean, there are people who believe that now, but <laughs> oh, bless God them. bless them. Yeah, let's just, just bless them. <laughs> oh, bless your heart. <laughs> yes, exactly. But I think it's normal to feel mm-hmm. that way because I think it's like the devil you know, right? Yeah. Like, you know your own journey. And mm-hmm. so you're like, these are the things I could do for her if she's facing the same journey to make it easier. Like, we talk about talking to our high school selves and like, mm-hmm being the voice that we wish we had then exactly and so i think it's the same thing with parenthood and with like any sort of education like i think that it's normal to want to share your experience to make their lives easier and it must be very challenging to have to kind of like pivot that and it's it's so silly because as we've talked about before you know race is a a construct Mm -hmm. a social construct and so like even though we need to embrace our heritages and where we come from, but we also have to acknowledge the way that the world sees us. Exactly, And that's a large part of what defines us because that's the way that we're treated in our day to day and shapes our experience moving through the world. Well, you can't help it. I mean, when you when you think of the the, the child's life, you think about you. Know, what do you think they're going to be when they grow up? What are they going to be into? What's going to be their favorite toy? But once again, I think when you enter in this construct of race, you do wonder where they're going to fit in. Mm-hmm. You do, you you can't help that because that also. I mean, for for us, even where we live is very much tied to this construct of race. It impacts us on a very every day to day level and for us like even looking up schools when we moved to america thinking like what schools have diversity because Mm -hmm. she even though we were in england because especially we were in england even though she to me she's white passing but if you get her in a room of european children you're like "Mm, something's different about that one so (laughs) it's do you know there there is that and that impacts our day-to-day decisions and even when being around family that does so if we're around my husband's family who are white I am very hyper aware of how much I need to implement the construct of race of who she is in her totality because of that and I mm. think the reason why we had like the holidays is that in a normal uncovid status is that you normally do come together and people and family are visiting and you do have things that are not just race but you said um heritage and culturally influence that people tend to do around the holidays and that looks different from different sides of your family and it's like well how do you encourage identity because that's what you do you do things like cooking food reading stories participating in celebrations and traditions in order to manifest and cultivate that connection with all sides of their identity and you tend to do those a lot during specific times of the year and it's it's real tricky and and balancing what's important what's priority and not showing too much favoritism but also letting her express herself and let her have her own say in it because she's six and a half now she has opinions (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so it's it's once again trying not to project and also trying to still remember what it was like between me 
in my siblings and where we are in our journey and what that looked like. So it's 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 a balancing act for sure. Yeah, I think you touched on something really important. I mean, all of that was really important. But one thing that I want to really amplify is giving the children the opportunity mm. to to kind of pick what is their identity, right? Like we are like these beautiful multifaceted creatures and have like many things, but it's not your job as a parent, and I'm not talking you specifically, but anybody, it's not mm-hmm. anyone's job as a parent to tell <laughs> tell yeah. a child what their identity should be. But instead, it's like, give them the opportunity to connect with and embrace mm-hmm. like all the aspects of their identity and to be able to create that for themselves. And I think, uh, I mean, you have an only child, but both of us grew up with siblings. Mm-hmm. And so I always think it's really interesting, in particular in multiracial households, that siblings also may identify differently from each other. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, like, that's okay. For example, my sister and I, very different life experiences based on how we look. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine what that was like for you too. For listeners, my younger sister is uh, very white presenting. Um, (laughs) Like blonde, curly hair, but her hair texture is also like not Caucasian. So that's Mm -hmm. an interesting aspect. Um, And I've had a friend who is very aware of race say to me that he would like notice my sister in a room he feels Mm -hmm. like and be like, oh, she's not actually white. (laughs) That would be his first thought. Her texture is different. Her texture is different. Her facial features aren't necessarily Caucasian either, Mm -hmm. though a a little bit, you know, and we're mixed race. So we present differently, whereas I'm uh, like, you know, browner, black hair, almond shaped eyes. So very different experience. Mm. Did you feel like that where I think you have just taking that ownership and that exposure within your culture. And I think, I mean, just in your body of work alone shows your, your influences and where you identify and how do you feel like because of your sister's uh, appearance and her treatment because of that, that really impact um, how she identifies herself. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it influences, I don't want to speak too much for my sister, but I think it influences how she sees herself. And and this is the beauty of a family too, mm. right? Is she is also able to connect with experiences that like she has seen me have and she has mm. seen my mother experience. So it's like, a, it's a different, she has like all of this, and I guess I do too, all of this different information to pull on to sculpt her identity. And and I have all of her, like I've seen the way that she's treated and I've, I've seen instances where she is treated differently after people know that I'm her sister. Mm. And I mean, the question we always get is like, how (laughs) like how are we sisters Uh, people question if we have the same parents i think we we have like privately talked about how we think often people might think that i'm like adopted (laughs) or something and we see it again and again and because my husband is 
white and blonde, more often than not, people actually think he's her brother mm. instead, which is a whole, whole other conversation. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Next episode, sibling, sibling within <laughs> mixedom, because that in itself is a very rich topic. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I think I think we could go on and on. Um, but to take it back to the holidays, I think you mentioned like this, this balance of like the different aspects of of culture and heritage and race in your house. And I think the holidays is like a key time mm-hmm. when that all happens. Like you mentioned, there's like a lot of ritual and tradition that is focused on holidays and through ritual and tradition is really how many of us express our culture. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have any thoughts on this specifically, but what do you think about parents ability or authority to share parts of culture with their children that they do not actually have in their own background. Mm. So sharing like, you know, your your partner or your child's other parents culture with with them. Mm. You know, this this particularly has been something that's popped up very strongly in the last year. When we were in England, we had participated in a diversity and inclusion kind of fair thing. And they had people from all different backgrounds representing their different groups. So obviously, the um, there's like African Americans and Native Americans, Polynesian, they had all these stalls, and it was really fun. And there's, uh, we don't, we didn't live on base. So we were not ultimately connected to these groups. But mm-hmm. uh, long story short, they had kids that uh, were part of the African-American booth and they went and did a dance and the kids were like, you know, all excited and kids of all beautiful shapes and colors. And it was so lovely. And Mariah wanted to know if she could go and just join them because they were like ushering other kids. And I wasn't with my husband and my daughter. They were together and I was showing some art pieces off. And when I got back, we had this conversation of where he felt so torn because he felt like he couldn't go up there and allow her to participate with her who's quite fair and him being white. He really struggled to how does he usher and cultivate Mariah to embrace and love her black side when he himself is not black. And he is still, we're still working on that and what that looks like. But for me, I actually really love when he tries to impart that or show that or embrace that because it feels like it doesn't become a just a mom thing. It becomes Mm -hmm. a family thing. Mm, I love that. I love that right there. Yeah, because it's it's. When you feel innerly divided, as I do, we talked about, oh, that's a white thing. Oh, that's a black thing. And that's part of why I think I struggled so much with my identity is that there's these lists, there's these categories. And I was doing checks and balances at the end of each month to say, how many black things did I do? How many white things did I do? And figure out where the total was. And it's just when you do these things, you start automatically aligning yourself. Oh, but then I must love my mom more because I love murder mysteries, <laughs> you know, and, mm-hmm. I, and, and I listen to musicals and like, but, but at the same time, I understand family is important and, and, and I love cooking and being together and that I must be more of this than I must align myself more with, with my dad and what that feels like. But when you both are for each other and are one and what that looks like, it becomes a family thing and not a mom thing and I love that and I want that so much for her and it gives Michael confidence as well to say that we he gets to be a part of her that part is not outside of him that's just not part of his experience 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think there's an interesting point there. Not all mixed people have a white parent or yeah. white in their heritage, but but for those that do, whiteness is seen as is like the universal culture in our mm-hmm. society. So it's like as a mixed race person, I often predominantly white practices like yeah. in <laughs> in our our culture. Yeah. Like I'm totally comfortable like talking about decorating a Christmas tree. Like that's <laughs> fine. I like that you really struggled to think of something there for a second. I, I did. That, I'm like, what do white people do? Yeah, I love that's just how hard you go. You're just like I I, I don't know pumpkin spice. <laughs> yeah. But like but but that's the thing, right? Like I think that uh, the parent of color would be fine, like owning that and making that like part of their child's experience. So I think there is something that really does present like a unified front as a family, if the white parent in this case, would be able to embrace other aspects of their child's culture Mm -hmm. um, in the same way. I love that. I think it's it's really great, especially if you have real conversations about it. You're using really good material. Like my, my husband does not think he gets a black card, no matter how much we joke. He yeah, legitimately exactly. he knows that. He knows there, where he I stands. mean, that's the line, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's the line. That is the line. But to say that, like, you know, encouraging this is a part of you. And I love that. And not having, well, you need to talk to your mom about that. It's the same thing about her body, too. If she's just like, I'm uncomfortable or I took a I took a bath, I'm uncomfortable. It's just like, you know. He's not afraid to say the word vagina. Like there's no shame and there's no boundaries. And I love that. And I think we we need to have this lack of boundary kind of space when it comes to that with our kids. If we're going to do that about their bodies, it's the same thing about race as well. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, what does this mean for the holiday season? I know I said like decorating Christmas trees, but honestly, like even if that's a white <laughs> thing, like we did that at my house growing up. So yeah, girl, <laughs> I don't know. Girl, same. You know I have a mix specifically for a <laughs> I have a Christmas mix that is just for decorating the tree. Oh my God. I know. <laughs> you are a whole other level. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am the absolute worst. And I don't I don't care. I don't. Uh, Whereas I, uh, over here we're always like, oh, don't we have decorations somewhere <laughs> i don't know maybe it's crazy I, I think what it looks like in in lieu of the holidays is that you're gonna have a couple of things here one they're gonna be traditions and expectations that you're gonna think is really important to your family that your kids are probably mm. not <laughs> you know or they're gonna ebb and flow thinking about oh this is so mm-hmm. important this ties it to it and they're just not gonna be there so as parents don't be hurt and don't once again don't try to push if they're just not ready and doing am i alone on this i want like a parents of adult children to hear and recognize that (laughs) for no reason yeah just saying (laughs) i'm just here um but don't 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 push and don't put like their love or their attachment to you in their participation in these things like it's going to yeah. be hard not to do. And you're right. That's everybody. It's going to be hard not to do that. But that's not a good reflection of whether they participate in these things and their love for you. Because also on the flip side of that, they're going to enjoy certain things. So for, you know, for my, my daughter in particular, like I said, my husband comes from a family that's not huge on the holidays. They're just not. And for him, is that a racial thing? No. But 
you can tell within within even our dynamic culturally it you can just tell that that divide but he he loves us and he participates and she's really into the holidays and i really like that and so once again not making it a mom thing it becomes a us thing and i've even seen that with families they're jewish and protestant and they celebrate them and coexist and sometimes the kids are more excited about christmas yeah that was like my first thought that i had what was that balance and i feel like i even grew up knowing kids that way that Mm -hmm had to like grapple with doing both holidays and I couldn't imagine like being you know a, a parent who had to see like their kid favor one holiday over the other and and not take that personally but I think that that is a little bit of what we're we're suggesting and asking here yeah it's that one's tough but I feel like the more you make their connection to you hinged upon this the further you're going to make this put extra pressure on it and create more of a divide instead of like I said cultivating that place to where they get to make it their own if I force my daughter to embrace all these things that I think and ties her to her identity it's only going to be associated with stipulation and it's not going to be her own it's going to be just what I same thing with like our our religion with our faith of being Christians like of course we celebrate it and we acknowledge it and we teach her and we read the bible but we always say but this has to be your choice because it has to be from her it has to be her own identity it has to be a part of her all she can say and see is how we live our life and how we love her regardless but it has to be you like I can't do that even with her young age we've always told her it has to be you and the same thing with her racial identity it has to be you even you know my my parents are Catholic if you know she has more time with her grandparents and say actually I when we do the holidays I like the different masses and I like the rosary and this is I feel like that ties me to them and to a part of me I have to just be like I love you all right let's go I've got some extra rosaries in the back somewhere let's do this that is just that's part of the deal like I don't get to control that if I love her in her totality that is a part of her so it's I mean girl girl real talk time though like what would you do if come come her adolescence she's like you know what I don't believe in God but like I I love you like I, I here's the thing like inside I, I, there's inside outside reaction inside is yeah yeah oh okay or, or like or even the the ridiculous question okay what did I do wrong okay what is she yeah. searching for I, I would have so many questions but I think it would always on the outside have been like I love you I would love for you to come and still participate or what would you like to do in lieu of and you know we would revisit that conversation mm. especially in adolescence because I, I feel like there's just so much pressure in your body like there is a lot but I think it's one of those things of my love would not be hinged upon that and outwardly making sure she does not know I'm not worried I'm not stressed and this doesn't change anything inwardly I would of course I'm allowed to struggle I'm a human being but I think the most important thing that's you know, that's with anything that might be different than how we grew up with this. Just like, first, I love you. I'm here for you. We will have multiple conversations about this, you know, when the door opens and when you're ready. But like, I, I, I literally can't force that upon you. Like, I, even just saying the words, I just like, that's not what love looks like to me. Yeah. And, and I think it goes back to like the very first thing we were saying is like, you cannot decide your identity, your child's identity I for can. them. 
Like, I just can't. Just just like no one else can decide your identity for you. Parents are good at this to varying degrees of this idea of like, your child is not an extension of yourself. Mm. And I think that's something really that all parents have to grapple with at some point. Mm -hmm. As someone outside of that system, I've seen it a lot um, to varying degrees. Like some parents like really think that like, their child is an extension of themselves. And so to see like the different levels of comfort with with that. So mm-hmm. it's it's this interesting thing of like giving your child space to craft their own identity while also allowing yourself to craft your identity, yeah. right? And just like your child's identity is going to change and grow over time, like we need to remember that as adults our identity still like there's still permission for us to change and grow over time. Exactly. And here's the thing. You might ask me that question in two more years and I might have oh, a, yeah. a different, a thing. different answer. But yeah. as of now, I've seen the other side and I don't like that. I've seen where like, you know what I mean? Like I think we have both experienced with the other side of forcing identity in any capacity yeah. and what that looks like, even on ourselves trying to force something within ourselves that we are not ready for. And it just, it you know, I, I've seen the ending of that book. It's not great. So as of for me and mine in my, in my household and for those who may be struggling to make sure their kids are connected, breathe. It's in time. And the best thing you can do is live in that identity. Be, don't shove it, show. Don't shove, just show. So if my daughter says she doesn't, doesn't feel connected as a woman of color, she doesn't feel connected to Christ. It's like, okay, I love you. I'm still going to live my life as a mixed woman of color and just show her what my life looks like as my way of like, you know, of influence and balance and representation. I don't have to shove it down her throat. I just have to show how I live my life. And that it's challenging, but guess what? parenting is challenging. I decided that I wanted her. We were fortunate and blessed to have her. That's my cross to bear, as they say. Like, That's what I get to deal with. I get to make sure she's got food in her tummy, clothes on her back, make sure she knows she's loved and supported and cared. And I, I, get, I get to struggle <laughs> with grappling how to navigate. That's my responsibility. She doesn't get that. That doesn't get to be on her. Yeah. One final thing, particularly when we're talking about complexity of raising a mixed race child around the holidays. (laughs) And this is something we've talked about in regards to ourselves. Mm. Um, There is a problem with the world and people believing that like mixed kids are the solution to racism like my existence is not proof that racism does not exist in the world um as we all know take a former president barack obama for example Um, (laughs) take example a i would like to put evidence into oh yes Ooh. So, so I think particularly around this time of year where extended familial ties uh, tend to be a little bit tighter, like usually you're, you're brought together with more extended family around Christmas, around winter holidays. Your kid can't be expected to solve the problems of your racist family members just Mm -mm. by existing. Like, Mm -mm. they aren't going to be the example to change 
a racist family member's mind. They might be like a a part mm. of something, but a they are not me. like the end all be all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Nail head hit it. I I just can't when people say, Well, we really are going towards a more enlightened uh space here in America, because look how many mixed babies there are. I feel sick. <laughs> I hate being dramatic. But that's I, I, I can't because if anything, it just shows we're still not ready to have those conversations. The fact that we have to bring light to this. And I, I, I completely agree. I think, like you said, in a family, there might actually be a if your family has some deep seated issues with this, there might be a softening when there becomes this this introduction of a little something different into the bloodline. But but you can't hard conversations real work it's it's just not oh i have someone in my family who has melanin and all of a sudden the years and generational pressure and the ideology of racism is just melted away nah and that and that is so unfair to do to that child once again that's that's that ain't their job <laughs> yeah for real do you have any advice or tips like say someone does have someone in their family or multiple people in their family who who are a little problematic Mm -hmm. what can a parent do to protect their child in Mm. those situations it's difficult because it also depends on how open you are with the problematic people yeah i I would say you know it all depends if you've been able to have any kind of open conversation if they're working towards that but they're they're falling a little short then I think there's that talk of like, how can we still have extend grace while all still holding accountability? So there's that. If you have not been able to hold those conversation and it's still, oh, I don't, I don't see color, but they obviously do. I think once again, I think it's making sure you have a conversation with your, your child at what age appropriate of, mm-hmm. you know, when you have your own little family, and we've talked about this before, you get to create your new normal. For in quotation mark, you get to make the republic of your family. So whenever I would go over there and be with them, I think I would spend some time in reestablishing what we believe and what we hold dear. Because it's the same thing when you go out into the world, right? You're gonna have people who disagree with you. You're gonna have people who say ignorant things. You're gonna have, you know, people are gonna say things that you, you disagree with, and you have to teach your child how to deal with that in the world. How do you conduct yourself in a world that thinks differently than you do? I would have to unfortunately have that same conversation with like my daughter if we were going over to be with people who happen to be our family who also are not like that. I'm like, they may say this, that, what is true here in our home, mm. what we say. And I think it'd be a before and after conversation. And even like I said, being young of like, you know, I did have that fear of hearing all lives matter thing. But the thing is, we have talked about it that she already knows how to respond herself and she knows what is normal. She knows what is our expectation. She knows what our beliefs are within our family. And so I feel like because we've had that conversation so many times and we were very open about what that looks like, that once we can go and be in another environment, even though these people are her family, she's quite confident of what it looks like within our particular circle. Does that make sense? It's just strengthening our circle. So when we go into the world, it kind of creates like this, this, this force field almost of, I'm I'm sorry you think that way or that's a very problematic thing to say but I know what's real and true. Yeah, I would add a couple of things to that I think. Like, I think it's beautiful like that you 
that your daughter is able to like express herself. Um, and I think that that, that is the case with a lot of kids. But I think an important aspect of that is knowing that their parents have their back um, when they're expressing that. So that means like you can't like shy away and like brush things off, Mm -hmm. especially if your child is is willing to stand up and put themselves out there like you need to have their back and i and i know that like that feels like that should be something that like of course all parents do that girl not all parents do Mm -hmm. that (laughs) not hashtag not all parents (laughs) not all girl we've we've seen it we've heard it we know this like that is not that's not the case yeah and and i would also say that we had an episode last year that was about having difficult conversations mm-hmm. around the holidays. Um, and one of the things that we talked about then was, you're an adult. You mm. don't owe anything to anyone. <laughs> like, this is way harsh. But you don't. Like, if it's a bad situation and you're uncomfortable and your child's uncomfortable, like, you don't have to stay. Nope. You sure like, don't. And you can leave respectfully, too. We even talked yeah, about that as well. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a huff. Go say goodbye to the matriarch, patriarch of the family or whatever. Take your little plate of leftovers and, you know, say it's about like deuces next year. Like you don't. Yeah. You do have that. You have that freedom. Like the protection and mental, physical well-being of your child is more important than what you're going to look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But. Allow us to say and shift gears a little bit here. (laughs) This year is going to be totally different. (sighs) As if things weren't terrible enough. Mm. um, I'm I'm still in Grinch mode over here. You know (laughs) what? I will allow that. (laughs) Like holidays are always stressful. Mm Mm-hmm. They're always stressful. Like, I know very few people who are not stressed (laughs) around the holidays. And now we have living in a pandemic. And if you're in the U.S., living through, like, the worst spike yet. Mm. So things are going to be really hard. Things are going to be really hard. So I think we need to talk a little bit about, and we don't have to spend too long on this, but... Managing expectations for this holiday season yeah. um, with with children. Mm-hmm. You know, this was something. I mean, and the thing is, it also applies to adults as well. I am, yeah, and with ourselves, with yeah. ourselves, and I think that's actually who I eventually actually really wrote this for to have real conversation with with your family. And I know this episode was already really geared and and, and long, but I think people are really struggling, and like you said, with the spikes in it, it becoming more of a reality. That we're just not going to be able to be with each other, with our friends, family, family we call friends. So we just kind of made some little tips, guides, just to be able how to start having that conversation with your kiddos. Um, if you haven't had that conversation, you should probably do that. <laughs> I don't care where you live. It, it, it is going to be different. Being honest about what things are, mm-hmm. what things are going to be like. This is one of those things that's very helpful for yourself. Start by being honest with yourself mm-hmm. about what is safe and what is good. Be honest with your loved ones. This is like the perfect get out of jail free card yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> Some of us, it's not heartbreaking. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but and overall, so, yeah, be honest. Yeah, be honest. Kids kids are so aware. So aware. 
They like, really I, are. I do not think there is a child who doesn't know what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. So, so just be be honest. Be super honest. And with that honesty, the follow-up is be clear. Be very clear. So don't so for us, like being honest, hey, it's it's looking like this year is gonna be a little different. And we're probably not gonna make it. And so to be clear, it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. We're not, we're not, it's not that we're not coming. The gathering is canceled or we're not doing, you know, a trip. Or, you know, we talked about a little bit in the last episode that we might not be doing gifts or big gifts or a lot of gifts because financially things are a little bit tough. And this is what it this is what it looks like. And I think with like I said, once again with kids, you can have different conversations with the kids depending on age or do one big one. But kids do crave clarity because they have an imagination. And if you're not clear, they will fill in the gaps themselves. (laughs) You know? So to be honest and to be very clear what that looks like tied up with those things is being open. Just opening yourself up and voicing and saying you're disappointed too. Mm-hmm. Like, And it's okay for your kid to be disappointed, for them to be hurt, to feel their feelings, right? Kids are like incredibly good at feeling their feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like letting, letting them know that that they can vent and share their feelings with you. And we've talked about this again and again, but like 2020 is just the year of grief. Mm. Like we all need to grieve. And I think there's going to be this whole other round of grieving around the holidays. Mm-hmm. And let let them little people grieve. And it, it might manifest in, you know, backsliding and things. If they lip off a little extra, like give them a wide berth to grieve. I'm not saying let them get away with stuff. I'm just yeah. saying that grief to us may look a little different than kids. And that, you know, there's, um, hopefully, I think there's this really great article. If I find it, I'll link it into the show notes about processing and what grief looks like to with little ones, because it does manifest a bit differently. So once you're given a little time of the grief, um, also be hopeful. And when I say this, people are like, well, of course, Danica would say that. <laughs> but what I don't that mean. That was not a Danny, a Danny <laughs> <laughs> advice. <laughs> Yin and yang. This is why this show works. <laughs> no, but what, what I do mean by be hopeful is not slapping on a smile, pretending like everything's okay, is that it's a confidence in knowing you've made the right decision for mm. your family. So if you're not going to do gifts, the hopefulness is just being like, let's appreciate what we have. Or if you're going to do something minimal, let's do something that is not a, a regular battery driven toy. Like, hey, we're going to take our little bit of money and support this locally owned business instead. Instead of getting a lot, we're going to get really little or we're going to make things or just focus on one person of the family. If we're not going to get together and see grandma or extended family, it's because we love them and we're taking their health seriously. And if we want to see them next year, we have to do the hard thing now. But I'm hopeful. I have so much hope that we're doing the right thing. Um, we're not going to go on that trip for, you know, X, Y, Z reasons. But I know it's the right thing to do because your health and my health is important. And we're being, you know, we're listening to what scientists are saying we're doing what governors are saying like we're loving our community by not being out there and there's so much hope in knowing that what you're doing 
is the right thing to do for your family. As a bonus to to these four things, something to keep in mind is you can still lean on your community even at a distance like they don't need to be with you in person right you can you can set up like a a special zoom call with grandma or like friend or family that's far away like there are things that you can do to still make make it special and you can lean on your not covid bubble people (laughs) to to make that happen oh i like that or it'll be be creative There we go. Yeah. You got it. So it's be honest, be clear, be open, be hopeful, be creative. Yes. Yes. I'm here for it. The hard conversations. I'm I'm glad that, you know, I don't I don't have to (laughs) to live this. So I feel a lot of sympathy for for those of you who are struggling with little ones at this time. Mm -hmm. It's it's not an easy year and it's we're not there yet, but hopefully hopefully things will will be better. Yeah. But uh, I think do not underestimate the resiliency of a little one. Not that it should be expected, but knowing that them knowing that you love them and you're there for them and that your love is stable and your support is stable. Mm. Do not mm. underestimate the power of that. Like my daughter, we have we've got COVID. We have moved internationally and let me tell you, it has been hard. It has been super, super hard, but making sure that I almost obnoxiously state how much we we love her and we are here for her and that she's allowed to have bad days and good days and checking in an obnoxious amount of times. It's exhausting for me, (laughs) but let me tell you, like, it's just so, so important. So don't, and it amazes me, not just her, but other kids that, you know, of, of, parent friends that I have of just their resiliency and how changeable so even if you're having these conversations and it's hitting them really hard just knowing that their parents are willing to do that and have that is don't don't underestimate that whatsoever you you've got this parents you you can do this yeah I mean everyone hang in there we'll be fine (laughs) yes I like I said before and like we said at the top like just cancel this year. It's fine. It's good. It's we'll be good. back next year. Totally. <laughs> Can we get like one of those cartoon signs where it's like, do not open till next Christmas? You know what I mean? They're just huh. one of those little cheeky little signs on the outside of the door. I'm here for it. Shall we Shall we move into our happy place? Is there anything else? Uh, I know we just scratched the surface of, of parenting. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely going to come back and revisit that for sure. All right. Happy place. Please. Demika, what is your happy place? Well, if people have been following our journey, or if you're one of those weirdos that skip episodes around, then you may or may not know I did move, and I have been living out of a suitcase since September. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I just realized I did the math, and I have it's been like like three months living out of a suitcase. It is, it's, and then moving from hotel to random renting rooms. It's it's been crazy moving during an election, moving during COVID, moving internationally. It's I don't recommend it just personally. 
but you do you. But what is making me really happy is that hopefully by the time this comes out, we actually almost exactly by the time this comes out, we will have closed on our house, buying a house. Yay! Finally! <sighs> yes. I, this will be our first time buying a home. Uh, military families are super weird. We're not, it's not uncommon for us, but we finally decide to bite the proverbial bullet and like I said, the process has taken even longer because of COVID and everything. But um, yeah, hopefully this this will be it and we'll be able to finally start to uh, unpack suitcases and we won't have our stuff, our main stuff yet. So we'll be technically camping in our house. So I'm trying to come up with some cute, cozy camping Christmas Uh, it's s'mores s'mores is all you need to make a like who cares about any of the rest of it just s'mores yes girl sorry sidebar have you seen the marshmallow game now so i have been gone everyone so when you're gone you don't see all the american snacks and when i came back girl why do they have chocolate filled marshmallows i don't know heathens is that not are we that lazy yeah i just can't like, have you I, met an American? <laughs> I have been gone. I was out of the practice. I saw that. And I went, okay. I'm like, I'll put in a cocoa, but I'm not making a s'more with it. Talk about fringing upon my constitutional rights. <laughs> but yes, 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 yes. Hopefully closing on, on, a, on a home and slowly but surely tr- trying to. I mean, it's a whole other different stress of being a homeowner, you know, but at least it will be ours and we will have our own space and I can start putting some kind of normal life back together. <laughs> so, yeah, that's yeah. huge. And I know it's like been a huge complication to all of this that it happened during 2020 and COVID. Yeah. But on one hand, it's like awesome. It was like everything was a wreck anyway. So that's like yeah. been my attitude about like anything that goes wrong. I'm like, well, everything else is a fucking shit storm. This is great. This yeah. is just on brand. <laughs> like, I said, I'm like, oh, so you've got the theme. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, girl. All right. With that, my my beautiful Grinch. What is making you happy? <laughs> I don't know if you if you know her. So this is a youtube sensation oh nandi bushel do you know her because no should i you should you're gonna watch all of her things right after this trust me okay so nandi bushel she is a 10 year old girl (laughs) and she she's a mixed race unicorn she is a british or english and zulu and and she is an amazing drummer. She's like very into yes. the drums. She started playing when she was like two years old. She's now 10. And she is like, I think she's been popular for a while, but I just heard about her a while back because she had challenged Dave Grohl <gasps> of Foo Fighters it. fame. Yeah, to a, a drum battle. And so there was like these back and forth videos and they are just so precious. But I would say out of all of the things, my happy place is she wrote a song for Dave Grohl <gasps> and she played all the instruments like Dave Grohl. <laughs> so she plays uh, guitar, bass, drums and piano. 
in this song. And the song is, it's called Rock and Grawl. <gasps> and it is all about how, like, her love for music and Dave Grawl is, gives her power so that she can change the world and make it better. And Aww. it is just, like, the most precious, <laughs> wonderful. It's just amazing. And her, like, her attitude that she has, like, written on her drum kit, like, Black Lives Matter. And, like, Aww. it's just, like, so beautiful. Oh. Yeah. I recommend yeah. checking her out. She's so good. So I, I'm bad with names. I do know who this is because my husband is a drummer. I don't know if people, my husband is a drummer and he takes drumming very, and he's been trying to diversify his feed. And like I said, for about, a, I mean, he's probably followed her for a while. He's been showing Mariah these videos. Yeah, right before bed. Cause yeah, he's the fun dad. <laughs> so she's all, cause he's been teaching her when we had drums at how to play drums as well. And uh, like her is like that inspiration, but couple like two weeks ago he showed me a video of of her video chatting with dave girl and i like yes that is the perfect i also i stamp this i endorse this go watch this because not only is she stunning and amazing and intense but dave girl is just like i just love him <laughs> yeah i there's there's a video of of them on a zoom call yeah. um that's all that's just so sweet is that what he showed you yes. they're just like so sweet and he's just like you are amazing and he just like is. you can just see the joy like he's a father and totally you know like he has relationship with kids and he's just like so full of love and it's and she is just like amazing she is she's lovely oh demon is talking about it puts me in a better mood you're totally right though and also i mean it's a weird thing of like watching her and then feeling just like a shit musician it's like half and half of just being like uh kids today they're so talented but i love that we have these platforms that she you know what i mean can you think about even 20 years ago it would just be this under the radar not being able to know even only within the circle they might know of this young lady and i love that she's not just being highlighted simply because she is just this lovely girl of color but because she's she's talented it's it's her talent and skills it's i don't know dave girl <laughs> this isn't uh these are good happy places go close on a house and listen to foo fighters or foo, foo fighter covers by this young lady it's gonna be great have a good this will make yeah. you feel better yeah nothing puts you in the holiday spirit like food fighters and homeownership <laughs> i do feel like you're just one big hot cup of cocoa away from just watching the netflix fireplace and just yeah you're nearly there danny you're more feeling it than you want to let on you're so close we're mm, mm, more about that <laughs> I don't know about all that. All right, friends, <laughs> we're going to wrap this up so mm -hmm. that I can go put on a sweater and eat a candy cane or something. Perfect. All I've ever wanted. If you have thoughts or if you have questions, particularly around raising mixed race kids or really anything else, go ahead and let us know. You can drop us an email, biracialunicorns at gmail.com. You can find us on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram at biracialunicorns, and we are on Twitter at biracialmagic.
We want to give a special holiday jingle out there to Deli Pop Art, who's done our amazing, iconic unicorn art there. The amazing Joseph Scott, who's done our intro and outro music. So Smith Photography, that's done some lovely photos for us. You should follow them all, subscribe, uh, get at them. You know, they're they're just really super awesome and mega talented. Uh, please, 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 we would love it if you had time in your holiday schedule to write us a review. Um, please rate us uh, the five stars, five thumbprints, I, I, whatever the rating is, we would love it. And we would just love to hear that feedback. That really helps us. And we also really appreciate that. And I don't know, if you're doing e-Christmas cards, you should send them to us at our email. Because I, I like e-cards. So. I like e-cards too. I, I only get e-cards from my grandfather, but I, I appreciate them. <laughs> Well, I just didn't know if we were just like had had like if I had like a PO box or something, I could be like, send them here. I want all the cards, but I mean, I maybe know. that's the thing. Maybe we should get a PO box if if you unicorns write us and tell us that you would like to send us cards. I will walk over to the post office and get us a PO box. Yeah, I have I have an APO, so I could I could That's do that, true. and we could just do that and have an old fashioned key where we physically have to go. But I feel like we have people who are like really good at stationery. Like I don't want to like pigeonhole our listeners. I'm just saying I feel like we have a lot of people. I who think have I think good we stationary. have a lot of like paper goods <laughs> people <laughs> who listen to this podcast because. Paper goods people are my people. Yes. <laughs> and, and your if, people. Yes. If you're a pen thief, you my people. If you, yeah. Because, yeah. Dot. All right. We just. <laughs> <laughs> all right, y'all. Happy holidays and all that. <laughs> it just sounds unnatural. It sounds unnatural. I'll probably cut that. All right, friends. <laughs> Don't you dare. Don't you dare. <laughs> All right, friends, we'll be back next week with a mini-sode and in two weeks with another full episode. Mm-hmm. Jingly bells. All right, peace. Ow.